Greetings from the Seventh Circle. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Seventh Circle of Film. I'm your host, Here Against His Will, because one of you fuckers has decided to request possibly the worst film ever made. I'm not, I'm not willing to go out on a complete limb there, but... <laughs> I'm willing to... Oh, Kieran, by the way. I know I forgot to say that twice, but I am at a certain level of anger. Today, I'm losing my uh, vocabulary. My Lexus is just low today because I've had to watch this twice now because you guys know how this goes. I watch it once and then I watch it twice to take notes. I am very, very angry. Um, joining me through this, dragging him over the nails and tarp that is Terror at Blood Fart Lake, co-host, as always, Ty can't really say welcome, but... I'm uh, also here against my will. That works fine. And uh, someone who came willingly-ish. A bit of peer pressure. Uh, Swizzy, or... I never know, with internet stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, most people call me that. I, I call Swizzy at work. It's it's just... Um, it's, it's, it's a mononym. It's kind of like Madonna or Prince, except... Um, I, I don't have any money, so it kind of works. <laughs> the man formerly knows as Swizzy. Yeah, that'll that'll be when I get famous and I have to retire my name because somebody else has copyrighted it. So I'll just I'll just be a symbol, but the symbol will just look like a droopy cock and then the letter Q somewhere. <laughs> For anyone who feels like directing hate at my uh, benefit, thank you. For that, uh, he's not the one who recommended it. He actually watched it completely uh, parallel to us. It wasn't anything to do with us at first. Happened to bring it up at one point and I'd said to someone, oh yeah, someone recommended that shit and I need to go through this eventually. I'm not touching the sequel with this because I'm not a sadomasochist to that extent. I don't do dumb shit. Uh, I think, Swizzy, have you seen Return to Bloodfat Lake? I think you might have said I've watched it. I don't know what I retained from it. Um, only because there's a a point in this movie that I recall, like the sequel that I recall vividly. So I must have watched it. Um, but the the AVNs are on. And if you don't know what the AVNs are, the AVNs are basically the porn industry's equivalent of the Oscars. Um, and that's on in, just in the background on television, meaning somebody had a television channel that had the AVN uh, awards associated with it. And that was just on in the background while they filmed the movie. So the, the attention to detail just as strong in the second film. That's that's what I can say about that. But other than that, I don't really remember a ton uh, from the second movie. I think I watched these back to back. And this one's more memorable for me because I wasn't taking phone calls with clients during this uh, during this movie whereas i was with the second movie yeah it's a great thing to have on the background during work <laughs> appropriate <laughs> thoroughly well, i mean we work in i mean i work in software right so i i basically have stuff on in the background to help me troubleshoot and i think this is one of the rare the few rare films that didn't help me do anything other than question why god has not shown himself to me and brought me to heaven and raptured me with all of the other souls because this is proof that we are living in hell it is such an experience and i i have profound doubts that there's anyone in the universe that genuinely liked this movie 
I'll get on to that in a sec, to be fair. I I don't know if it's ironic, but... Uh, so, cast and how I'm going to define them, people who should never work in cinema ever again in any <laughs> facet, be that catering, promoting, in the fucking popcorn stand. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I don't want them near it ever again. I don't want them asking for change outside a studio ever again. Uh, Director, writer, producer, let's call it the mastermind behind this magnum opus, Chris Seaver, who's also done, and you'll be delighted to know, like really tasteful names, uh, Filthy McNasty 2002, Mulver Zombie Ass Kicker, Filthy McNastiest, it got a sequel, and uh, Teen teen Ape Goes to Camp, which, from research, I've not seen any of these. Don't fucking request them. I'm not going to do them. (laughs) We need need to do a full episode on this one, man. Never, never happening. Yeah, a Chris Beaver retrospective would be up there with a Neil Breen retrospective. Just opposite oh. ends of, of auteurship and, and cinematic perfection. If this... I, this is a pipe dream. If this somehow gets to the man and he's still alive and we could do a retrospective with him... Oh, God, that'd be amazing. There's a lot of questions I have. His entire life's work. Yeah, there are questions. Questions to the the <laughs> less talented Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> Fuck. Um, I bet it's a really nice man. <laughs> I don't care. I don't, I don't give a fuck. In terms of man minutes, he's ruined for people. He's, he's the equivalent of fucking Stalin at this point. Uh, going through the cast, we've got uh, Nicola Foyer. Fight on um, fucking it's a film, the whitest film ever, and I still fuck the names up somehow. Oh, Nicola Fiore. <laughs> oh, she is Italian, yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. Fuck it. Um, who's playing Thunder Ambrosia. Probably the only person who doesn't embarrass themselves through this, to be honest. Uh No, she's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, she is decent. Who is in Stepdaughter Daughter Slaughter Daughter, sorry, uh Sociopathia. Uh, the Haunting of Mia Moss, and a shitload of other stuff. She's She's been around. She's doing well for herself, which, yeah, good for her. Um, someone who's doing far worse for themselves, and thank God they are. I hope she's dead. Uh, Jesse Ames, who plays Gwen, who is in The Karaoke Kid, which I'm not fucking watching. Uh, Teen Ape Goes to Camp, and a Twilight knockoff called Taint Light, which I didn't oh, look into at all. God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm she not going near that. that. She was in Taint Light. She was the star of Taint Light. She was oh, like the... no. You've seen it. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay, we've got a retrospective on fucking vaudeville, bitch. Um, how is Taint Light compared to Blood Fight Lake? It's, it's, it's higher production. It is, I mean, it's not just like the porno version, I, Twilight with no, butt mate, stuff. No, mate, I've seen porno, porn, I've seen porno parodies that have higher production than shit. No, it, I, I don't want to talk about that fucking film. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, it's 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 very similar to this, but and like stuff like the epic movie and shit like that. 
in terms of like just shit. Yeah, she's found a niche, I suppose, at least. A niche that I could ignore entirely for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, and finishing off the cast list with uh, Josh Shaw, who plays Caspian and Leo. Caspian, uh, if you don't remember names, is the guy with the afro on. A guy who rents out the lodge, the handyman. Who was in uh, Sex Squatch. Sex Squatch, yep. I think it's a Sasquatch thing by the looks of it, just with sex. Um, Evil Dead Inbred Rednecks. And Taint Light as well, actually. Uh, I had to mention that off twice. Uh, budget box office-wise, I don't know. Honestly, I've got nothing on the budget. I can only guess. And it's probably higher than you think it is. This was from low-budget productions, but uh, yeah, someone probably spent a fair amount of change on this. A few favours called out, I'm sure, and they're either friends or blackmailed co-workers in all the acting positions. But uh, yeah, you, you, it's going to be very sad how much this actually cost. Above like a fucking dollar is too much. And box office wise, I don't know. Um, the only place I found gave a figure that made me very happy of zero dollars. But I, I can't imagine. <laughs> Probably wasn't released to cinema, to be fair. I hope not. I hope it wasn't released to a film festival. Fuck me. I, I could see this being screened at someone's small town movie theater because they still work there and haven't left the town since high school. Um, and then it taking in no money because every dollar that went into it went to the theater for shutting down that night when they could have been showing like Airbud Part 9 or something. <laughs> Um, but I don't think any respectable or legitimate film festival would show this as anything other than, hey, look what some people think a movie is. Just a character study on the director. Some meta quality, yeah, uh, just Jesus Christ. Look at this person exists. Feel sad. Uh, <laughs> just look at this person exists. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like the... Uh, <laughs> The America's Funniest Home Videos, but with other directors just being like, look at this fucking idiot. Look, look at this. Can you imagine him sitting there going for all this? So it's what if you want to give this questions. You want to give questions to the monkey sitting in the chair. Go right ahead. We've got his handler ready. He can translate over. If you do want to uh, go on the show, Chris, uh, circleoffilm at gmail.com. <laughs> just send in an email and we'll be happy to have you on. Uh, so yeah, trivia oh. stuff. I only got one. Uh, towards the end, a uh, woman threatens people with a pistol. I, I only got this off IMDb. This is the only stuff I could find. Looks a bit like a Colt 45, but it's a BB gun. Which, I mean, fair enough, actually looked almost decent. And apparently when they fired it, they got the uh, sound by just punching a pillow with a stick, which you can kind of hear. But yeah, technically that's the only thing I could find online because they didn't do anything technically otherwise. They break the third rule pretty much constantly. They break the rule of 180 at least twice. Basic filming conventions just ruined. Uh, so in lieu of trivia, I thought I'd take the two people listening and everyone else on a journey through some of the reviews of Terror at Blood Fart Lake, which I don't know how many of these are, uh, are ironic, but um, I mean, I'm hoping all. I don't have enough optimism to put money on that one 
Uh, so, review number one. Qu- I'm quoting all these. Uh, the terror at Bloodfart Lake is indeed one of the best things Chris Seaver has ever done. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, I'll be fair. Damning with fine phrase, that is. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know how to take that one. <laughs> Uh, I want to know this man's thoughts on this. Because I will be taking the piss out of him through the entire thing, but I genuinely want to pick this man's brain. I have already started. I want to see his therapy notes. <laughs> I want to see what that therapist is writing down. Like, if there's like a delusions of, of grandeur thing happening, or if the therapist is just not present and this guy is woefully under-medicated. <laughs> next fucking review note. Uh, next review, Chris Seaver is a genius. That's the header. Um, I just discovered Seaver yesterday, but the two movies I've seen were way above average for the low-budget horror comedy genre. I was disappointed that there weren't any blood farts, but that doesn't really hurt the movie. All the characters in this movie are hilarious. I'm going to watch every Chris Seaver movie I can find. Again, I'm not sure if these are ironic. I really hope so. That that person has not watched the movie because there is a blood fart. That person's a yeah, fucking liar because there is there is a goddamn blood fart at Blood Fart Lake. We we get it. We get one. So whatever your name is, Dick Fingers ninety four or who whoever <laughs> you may be. You need to go back and watch this movie you claim to love so much because you haven't seen shit. There's absolutely a blood fart in this movie. It's the whole crescendo of the film. Yeah, it's it's the the crux. It, we we waited seventy three long ass minutes for this, and we got it. End on a bit of sanity to push off. Um, first one, uh, Gwen must die is the header. I'm I'm fully fucking with him there. Went into this film not expecting much, and yes, it is a low budget film. No shit. Uh, but actually start to enjoy it, as there is kind of a story there. Lots of vulgarity, references to horror films and rock metal music. Having said that, there are some characters you can be happy, if that's the word, watching. That's kind of drenched in sarcasm a bit, isn't it? Put it at a six. That that doesn't sound like a six to me, but each their own. And uh, finish off with one I fully agree with, uh, 100%. This is the film they play in hell on loop. I mean, just to give you an overview, the way I'd put it, if you haven't seen Bloodfart Lake, and I don't recommend it to anyone, it, it's like that kid that you knew in high school, I suppose, depending on how old you are, change the reference. But for me, it was the kid who found the number 69 really, really funny and kept just saying 69 or 21. That That's who this film was made for and by. Like Elon Musk stands, those fucking freaks. Who enjoy 420 unironically. It's like it's like a nostalgia critic episode, the worst nostalgia critic episode you can think of for 70 minutes. That that's what this is. It, it is a YouTuber's film where no one has a YouTube channel. It is tons of little bits. That would normally be like a 30 second character jump in, like the 
vaudevillian tart <laughs> would normally just be a character she would jump in make some reference to the 20s and then jump out but she's in the entire fucking film and it's just not funny it's it is not even funny a... in the first 20 seconds let's be fair though it's not it wouldn't be funny in a youtube clip really it's not a funny joke that goes on for too long which is, that's how i would describe this film it is it has no right to be 70 minutes long it's it's a series of jokes that none of them quite ever fully form as a joke and everything almost seems like a punchline reaction to something that just happened like somebody saw family guy for the first time and was like oh that's rapid fire punchlines we just need to do that as a film and there's all these cutaway lines that allude to other things that have happened with these characters who we've known for 20 minutes maybe uh and they're they're doing their own thing like a Gwen's whole vaudevillian thing gets expanded on, and she's she's in a movie called Swamp Sex Robots that comes back again later on, but that's the only kind of callback that happens. Everything else is just one-off lines that just don't don't make sense. I feel like one person wrote the structure in quotation marks because there's really not a structure to this narrative, and then the other people wrote the dialogue, but they weren't in the same room or aware of the same character. And was the structure just nothing happens for 40 minutes, something happens, nothing happens for 10 minutes, something happens, end. Oh, it was so boring. <laughs> Jumping in. So, I've said a lot on this show, there's certain ways to open up a horror film. Getting the tonality down, getting the kind of idea of the film you want to push and what the audience is going to be watching for the next 90 minutes is crucial in any of these things. And the best way of doing that nine times out of ten is going for a kind of scream vibe where you have kind of a mini movie at the start of your own film to show, yeah, this is what the film's going to be. This is the killer. This is what he can do. This is how he's going to fucking bash someone over the head. Nice, set, done. And uh, I'd say generally speaking, it doesn't matter who you put in that role of victim at the start. You know, you get some blonde girl who no one's going to fucking remember later on in Scream. Don't make him insufferable. Uh, as a note, I suppose uh, tonally it's consistent. His handbone oh, yeah. is uh, fucking miserable to watch. Yeah, the tone the entire way through the movie is the exact same, and that tone is the ringing in your ears after a failed suicide attempt via shotgun. <laughs> uh, when was this film made? It was like two thousand and eight, right? Yeah, they're they're have been at least a Marvel movie that had come out and people were aware of how high production values can look on screen. Because this film is the peak of early noughts internet comedy. It is slightly racist. <laughs> very homophobic and so much dick and fart jokes. Yeah. So if you enjoyed the like 2006 era YouTube, you will most likely enjoy this film. 
Oh, one thing I did forget to mention, actually, uh, while I was going over the reviews before we do properly jump in. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, I had a quick look, just because I like to go over a few different channels to see what the reviews are like. Um, anyone want to guess at what the the user score was? I hope, and I, I'm saying hope in the sense that um, it's funny, but I, I hope it is at least 9%. Uh, Ty, you got any guesses? I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with a lot of people either doing this ironically or because they just enjoyed that that era of fucking awful internet stuff. But I'm going to say like 60. Well, Ty's closer. Uh, 48. That is 48 too high. Yeah, oh, it, it's funny actually. Uh, it was recently found that 48% of users on Rotten Tomatoes are retarded. <laughs> a census was made. Anyway, uh, Hambone. I mean, this is where the... It's racist, right? Just a little bit. Feels it. Feels uncomfortable. It, yeah, it's it's its own Jeopardy category of things that feel racist in this movie but aren't. Or might be. It's It's a flying line. Well, either way, this man has had uh, half a brick to the skull at one point in his life. We can all agree on that. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. There's a head trauma somewhere in his history. Yeah, we don't lose much of the world when he gets killed off. Uh, He refers to himself in the third person as Hambone. It's like a, a white guy trying to write a black guy using only fucking Mitt Romney's description for reference. I am I okay. I am going. I see my. Uh, I can see my um, role in this episode as the one who's like, it's not that bad. It fucking is. I do like the one line. I do like the one line where before he just gets fucking murked in, Hambone's got a good life and <laughs> just gets murdered. I found that quite funny. I, it's not like Hambone's going to live forever. Yeah, Hambo's got a good life. Hambo's got a live forever. I, I, I must admit, I, I found that one line quite funny. It's a high point in the entire movie, <laughs> which speaks volumes because it's over in the first four minutes. Oh yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely the best bit of the film. They say something isn't going to happen, and then it happens. Oh, fucking subversion of expectation. Which uh, is. Fucking so obvious. It's choreographed as shit in this, obviously. You know what's going to go through, and it's not funny. It's just awful. <laughs> the performance is terrible. I, I hate it. I hate it so much. I think it's partially right. It reminds me a little bit of... Um, I, I do stand-up shit, and it reminds me a bit of a gig I did a few weeks ago, the first ever open mic I ever did going into stand-up shit. And I, uh, I booked on to a mixed venue with musicians, um, slam poetry shit. And in my head, I kind of built it up as, okay, so I'm going to go down there. It's an open mic with music, poetry. It's going to be a lot of pink-haired college students, basically, doing absolute crap on this. When I turned up, it was a load of rappers. And I, I prepared like a fuckload of Eurovision jokes. And so it was fucking fucking <laughs> dreadful to begin with. I wasn't even the funniest guy there. The funniest guy there was someone who kept saying, I know I'm going to make it for 15 minutes. 
on a mic while reading it from paper because that needs fucking reference. But it, it kind of reminded me of the worst aspect of myself if I tried to fit in on that night. <laughs> if I tried like, on a reflection and gone, you know what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to embrace this culture and I'm going to try to do this and get stabbed, hopefully, during this. That's that's what Hambone felt like to me. <laughs> is this why you hate it so much? Does it hit too close to home? I made a Coolio joke. I can't even do, like, fucking Asheroth. Asheroth is possibly one of the most Caucasian people to ever rap. And that's saying something in a post-Macklemore world. The guy who did um, a moped song. It's like, great, I Love College is, like, a, a seminal song for a lot of people in North America. I, not me, um, because I don't fetishize my time in post-secondary school like 99% of America does. Uh, but Asher Roth's caucasity is immense. So for you saying you're too white for Asher Roth, that you possibly reflect sunlight as a white person. That's how white you are. Getting properly into it after we get our opening <laughs> segment. It's been 30 minutes. I don't think this is quite a new record, but it's getting there. What did I say this was going to take? Like 45 minutes? Why do I say that? Oh, yeah. Why do I always I do that? It was not. Yeah. Just us shitting on it is going to take a good... Uh, we meet our main cast of... Not teenagers, to be fair. They don't say that. They look... I think they say 24 or 25. Gwen is at some point, And they look yeah. roughly that. I know one works as a um, horror shirt maker. One does vaudeville porn films. It's nowhere near as funny as it sounds. Nowhere even fucking close. It's anti-funny. I'm going to see someone shit his pants in the future and I'm not going to laugh because this film has taken laughs from me. And there's um, a stoner and a goth girl, pretty much. Yeah, we meet a bunch of some of the most cringe-worthy individuals. Um, The main guy, the t-shirt maker, um, looks like Again, every YouTuber in like late two thousands even looks like Brentel Floss. <laughs> if you ever seen that guy, I mean, yeah, because he, I've got he no looks life. closer to somebody. He looks closer to somebody that's on a watch list than is somebody who's on somebody's must watch list. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, YouTubers in the end in the <laughs> late two thousands. Yeah, really. But he's like a weird YouTuber. Like he does shit about like model trains and shit. <laughs> um, someone is getting benefits from the government. <laughs> take care of these people. Yeah, and we we meet. They basically break down. They're out of fuel, out of gas and shit, and so they're on a road. Uh, they have to stop, and then we get a, a roll call esque thing where we meet all the characters, and it's just insufferable. Like the the Brentel floss guy, the weird pervert looking twat, is probably the most normal of the lot. He's the one I could deal with for longer than anyone else. I think you've got yeah Evanescence girl who's just insufferably miserable, kind of realistic. The vaudeville woman can't overstate it enough. She is the worst character put to film ever. She she is Scrappy Doo embodied. She is fucking miserable. A Family Guy cutaway gag brought to life. 
It's just awful. It's not funny the first time. It's not funny for the next 70 minutes either. Was she in the sequel? Uh, uh, did, did they bring her back? Yeah. She did the sequel. Of course she is. She's, uh, yeah, too iconic. Too unfunny to not bring back. Ever... They must find... They must find it hilarious. Surely. I mean, they have to. He's had a fucking killer on set. <laughs> I, I'm sure to you it wasn't her that proposed it. If it was, yeah, I fucking would. He's going to be the writer, producer, director. I don't know what is wrong with Chris Seaver. I feel like we need to either find out or lock him in some eldritch dungeon at some point. Uh, our next kind of main character outside of Thunder, um, just to round out the cast, we've got... I can't remember his name, but the redneck who is... Leo. Yeah, Leo, who is just awful as well. Just terrible. Makes, like, tiny sex puns that drop dead on impact every single time. Hear about our main villain as well, Jimmy the Retard. And there's a couple stories, but basically the, the idea is he was in a cornfield, it got set on fire and he burned alive. I mean, not exactly Michael Myers level backstory, but it's about on par with this stuff. Leo pisses in their car, which gets it running again. Yeah, that pretty much does sum it up. Yeah, I did a slightly funny story about that, a slight tangent. I used to work for the RAC, and I've mentioned this to Ty. Um, he was at the RAC, which is their breakdown service, and we got a call through from a guy saying that, oh, we're out of uh, coolant, we're out of antifreeze. I said, yeah, that's not a problem, I can send someone down. And they said, no, no, we've got a solution. I said, okay. Uh, so bought a bottle of water. Okay, yeah, that that would work. I said, oh, yeah, so basically we heard that antifreeze and coolant had uh, urea in it. Yep, right. So me and my four mates drank a full bottle of water. Okay. And we're all going to stand over the coolant valve. Yeah, I can see where this is going. And we're going to piss in the coolant valve. <laughs> Just a real life example. Yeah, real life example people of exist. people who enjoy this film. Yeah, uh, we get Redneck pissing, so Fear to Kid Scooby Gang start heading off and get to the cabin where we meet our final head of the cast, who is almost worse than all of them fucking combined. Caspian. Oof. I don't, I don't know quite how to describe Caspian. <laughs> I don't there are words. It's like a woodpecker in my head. It's just awful. There's only so many times I can say it's incredibly annoying. And I don't want to watch it anymore. But yeah, I, he's introduced like holding a plastic flamingo because they found random junk within the building and I'm sure someone found that funny. Yeah. I think... That's I think that's that character sum up. Someone found it funny. Like he's wearing a false afro. Someone would thought it was funny. Uh, he has this fucking I don't even know how to describe it. Accent. Like what would you say he's trying to do? It almost sounds like he's trying to do like a um, like a mid Atlantic like. Not necessarily the vaudeville one, but he, he's almost trying to be like uh, like an old Bostonian, like colonial era thing. But it's it doesn't sound like that. It just sounds like a weird dude. Yeah, no, I, I'll push on that. Yeah, 
I'll go for that. I mean, it might just be his accent, because he's a weird fucking guy, clearly. Maybe. If it's his real accent, then... Good God. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> If it's a real accent and this is this is the only work you can get, yeah, I'm sorry, mate. Fair enough. Take what you can manage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, if it's his real accent, all of a sudden I don't like. I feel bad for the guy. You want to hire a guy? That's just like, hey, why don't you come around here? Like that. That is not a not a thing you want to hear every day. Like, hey, you know, it'd be really great in this movie if we had a couple more people around here who knew what my dick looked like. Like, that's him the entire movie, and it's so jarring because you also have the the shitty vaudevillian actress who has the same thing but taken to the other part of the extreme where she's almost yelling it. I mean, she's worse. I think I could kind of handle him because she's just so much worse in comparison. Once again, I'm going to reside on the side of it's not bad, bad in the sense of it just seems like a group of people having a bit of a laugh, kind of dicking around, and then making a film out of it. And I do think that maybe it's just one of those things that you do when you're younger, or you do when you when the internet has just become a thing, and you're like, let's make a film. Fuck it, we'll go to my friend's beach house in dog shit nowhere we'll dick around in costumes for a little while we'll make a load of dumb jokes that only we'll get whatever i want to be like a vaudevillian girl fuck go ahead <laughs> like whatever sure that it's another reason why i want to talk to this fella because i want to see if he stands by his work or he's like nah that's this was this is incredibly cringe nowadays <laughs> I don't know, he's now pushed up to the heights of sex squatch. So I'm sure that he looks upon these days as formative. <laughs> stepping <not> stepping <laughs> stones stepping stones to the heights of sex squatch. Do you think he wears like sunglasses in a beret now? Like his real <laughs> art scene? I hate there there is probably an audience for this somewhere. And I it, wanna know if this guy brags about the roles he plays in this movie, because he does play two roles. He plays the mechanic guy with the mustache, and then he plays Afro Man, Caspian. And it's just like, it's absurd because he doesn't even change his shirt for one of the scenes. You're like, he's literally just the same person. Oh, that's so perfect. The whitest version of Afro Man you can imagine. Hundred fucking percent. I yeah. I I don't know if it, if he just goes around bragging that he made shit like this. It, I mean, it wouldn't get you laid. I don't care how trashy your town is. No one's <laughs> <laughs> no one's taking this. Again, Chris, if you do want to uh, get involved, please email us at semicircularfilm at gmail dot com. We'd be happy to have you. No. If he does come on, I gotta know how he met all of these people. Like, was there a Craigslist ad <laughs> that he put out, or was it like an early days of Facebook thing where he just put it up and said, "Hey, I need a you know three people, maybe four for a movie. Um, just come on down I mean, to the shore. We're not one... really doing anything." 
and I do need one of you to take a shot to the face. Yeah, I need someone to take off their top, so if you have a hot older sister who's looking to become an actress, let me know. I mean, that's the other question. Did any of the actors put this on their reels after they'd finished? <laughs> Depends what, what character I played. What could you put on a reel from this movie? I mean, I mean that in the most genuine sense. If you're anyone in this film, what are you putting on here? Uh, the At the very end, when they shove an entire human up someone's ass. That's what I put up. Didn't specify what kind of reel it was. Didn't specify what job I was going for. Which is the only one with a career still, for the looks of things. She's going to be regular work. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, I can't knock her for it. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, going back into like, the scene by scene stuff as well. I mentioned this earlier while we were talking back and forth as we were going for a bit. There's a, there's a point in it where they point at someone's shoes and say, What are those? I was kind of wondering if anyone's not aware of what happened in 2015. There was a shitty meme that went around that was kind of massive where someone just pointed at someone's shoes and just said, What are those? I don't think. They're connected, but I really want to think they're connected. I really want to think that that <laughs> occupies the same shit box. I, I mean, it would be amazing if that turned out to be right. Do, do they owe the do they owe Chris Sear royalties? A cultural touchstone moment, and he's not getting any uh, call outs or anything. Hundred percent. The reason I should say as well that we're kind of um, rambling a touch is because nothing actually happens for. Yeah, nothing happens for like 40 minutes. For a solid 40 minutes, nothing happens whatsoever. You just get conversation of simultaneously the most banal and annoying variety. There's this really weird dream sequence where Afro Man basically shouts at another character that turns up, who is is specifically mentioned as the girl next door, right? And she shits her pants at one point. Whatever. The uh, Brentel Foss looking motherfucker likes her. And there's a dream sequence where Afro Man is just yelling sexual stuff at her for like a solid five minutes. I don't think that's a dream sequence. I think that's a very real. Like that happened. He just filmed it and put it in the film. <laughs> Yeah, they're just like, that seems normal, because he says, I inject Irish heroin into my mushroom tip. And I'm like, what is Irish heroin? What is that? That's not a thing. I didn't know there were poppy fields just in, in fucking Cork, where people are trying to get some heroin doing, and, and you're putting it into your dick tip to experience pleasure. Like, what is that? And I want to know if all of that dialogue was written... Because it's it's insane, the things that he says, even by the standards of the insane dialogue in this movie. But that whole rant, soliloquy, monologue, whatever you want to call it, is just chock full of the most insane statements I've heard a human <laughs> being make in a movie. I honestly don't know if I like it or not. <laughs> That's the thing. It's just you watch shit. it and you're like, That's good, but is it intentional? Just the sheer insanity coming from this man's mouth. If it was off the cuff, honestly, respect. That's what that's what I said earlier. You mentioned this film has three writers. 
and I'm just gobsmacked that there is a writer. <laughs> Full stop. I mean, three writers, Chris Seaver, his mother dropping him on his own head as a baby, and the doctor and then fucking kicked him. A story by credits, so it would count. And when you've got fucking... I mean, I'm not even a fan, but Christopher Nolan's stuff, The Prestige, it's only got two writers on it. No, constantly jumping in and out. Uh, we've got Leo and Thunder as well, who talking back and forth, they're driving over, making puns at each other that are, again, terrible, ever so slightly racist. Just an undercurrent being pushed in there. Well, there is just a straight-up moment where she gets in his car and he goes, I haven't strangled a whore in a coon's age. <laughs> Uh, oh my god you're right he does say that just just think that's a lie someone wrote that i mean the director wrote it and then said it himself yes so yeah he must have thought that line was golden (laughs) when we're taking a comparison like everything's fucking relative and that line compared to most of the film honest to god is at least consistent with the character. I, I could see someone saying that in real life, sort of, if they were slightly brain damaged, going around as a redneck. I mean, the redneck itself, I mean, a quick talk on production value, right? So, obviously, I understand that these guys don't have millions to work on. They don't have hundreds of thousands to pump into costumes. They can't get make parties for everything. What you can fucking do is get your mom to come in and just do some overlay work I mean I, I suppose his mom probably doesn't talk to him anymore but you could probably get some fucking hairdresser to come in and just do it for cheap and get some work done on someone get a costume designer in get someone to get a proper fucking mustache every costume in this is dog shit it's just awful stuff the redneck especially he's got sunglasses the worst wig you've ever seen in your life the worst mustache and it, again, it's quite an uncanny valley aspect. I don't know whether it's meant to be a joke that it looks this bad or whether they just didn't know any better. It's, I, I don't know. I, I can't even comprehend. I can't get into this guy's fucking thought process whether he thought that was funny to make it look as bad as physically possible or whether he went, oh, yeah, we, we can't do this because we're morons. And we'll just pick last minute some wigs up from the side. There's got to be better ways of fucking doing this. I mean, Thunder Ambrosia, her costume's okay, I suppose. She looks basically like a a dominatrix stripper. So that it does the job. And she gets she gets naked. I think it was her, yeah. She fucks Leo at some point at like the fifty minute mark. Um, after things begin yeah, to happen. The the true pinnacle of the film there's some tits in it the climax if you will <laughs> oh yeah she also gets a shot in the face yeah which like okay I want to know I want to know two things about that the first one is I hope she got paid extra she certainly did more work than the others and two what did he have to say slash do to make her agree <laughs> again tied in with the money I'm, I'm pushing on blackmail at this point 
We need <laughs> if we ever start a Patreon, that needs to be a, st- a stretch goal. goal. <laughs> that needs to be the stretch goal. Like six thousand fucking pounds. I'll <laughs> I'll hire fucking Chris Seaver to shoot a load in my face on camera. With with costumes and stuff, right? And this is going to sound pointless. It's redundant, basically, in front of this film. It's low-budget stuff. There's, there's some basic shit you can accomplish to make something even look the base level of professionalism. I know where you, you were on a full shoot film, right, Swizzy? You were saying? Yeah, we did uh, one location shoot in the city that was like three days, and then we went up to a cabin in the woods to film it because, of course, we did. Um, and that was over the course of a couple weekends. But because we were all like we're all adults in our late twenties, early thirties, um, we we had our shit together. Like we had, we had storyboarded everything. We had scripts. We had had rehearsals, table reads, um, and like I wasn't even involved in the actual direction or or any of the the sound process. I was literally just craft services for the entire fucking shoot because I was the only person who knew how to cook for a ton of people at once. Um, my buddy was the, the DP on it and he was there for the entire sequence and just knowing what I know of what goes into one of these, I can't, I can't imagine, uh, that anyone in their fucking right mind went through a single step of this and said, we need to do this in a particular way because everything is so slapdash and just cobbled together, especially the script, but the direction, like the scene on the dock during the swimming scene is at night. There's no natural light. You can tell they ran through the scene um, maybe five minutes after sundown when there's still some twilight lighting in the background. But there's no globe lighting. There's no spotlighting. There's nothing to make this scene any brighter than it already is. And it looks hilarious to try and figure out what's happening in it. Like, they did some insane color correction to the point that, uh, what's her name, Gwen's bathing cap is like a fluorescent yellow when it's just probably like a dull uh, gold shitty color from the dollar store to try and get the scene to look like there's any kind of lighting in it at all. Like the, the whole process is just, I I need to, I need to know who was there doing any kind of quality control. Yeah. I and mean, they were basically, <laughs> and they might as well have just gone the full nine yards and just done day for night at that point. So it's, I, mean, I wouldn't put it past these morons to do night for day, frankly. That's, that's exactly what it looks like they did. They were doing night for day, and I'm just like, is it the cloudiest day in human history? Like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah, that's the thing, though. The, 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 the be all of it. There are some small things you can do if you're a low budget filmmaker, some really cheap, you know, small, tiny things that instantly up your production value tenfold. I'm not, I know we went over um, bad taste at some point. You don't have to do that shit. You don't have to start cooking fucking alien masks in your mom's kitchen for weeks on end you don't have to do this shit over four years but stuff like getting a spotlight stuff like shot composition move there's a random monitor 
like a TV monitor that's in half the shots, just fucking move it. Doesn't need to be there. Stuff like having the camera angled right so you can see your actors properly. In half the shots, I swear to God, the top half of their fucking heads are cut off for some bizarre reason. Just angle a touch fucking up. A couple points. It It is incredible. It's just completely incompetent. No one knew what the fuck they were doing at any point through it. I said the rule of thirds, blatantly broken, just constantly. Like there's someone in a oh tiny God, yes. inch of the shot, or they're taking up the entire screen constantly. Like, what the fuck? Rule of 180, the most basic thing you've got, genuinely broken, and it just gets fucking confusing. It, it's I staggering. I would have killed, like killed in this movie for even a semblance of some film school level auteurship behind the the camera work. Like a Dutch angle here and there would have been nice. Just any <laughs> variation that isn't just a framed steady cam on a Walmart tripod just just framing everything up. And like the panning is fucking whack. Like you said, there's a monitor that's in half the shots. I like if they just duct taped this thing to some dude's arm and said go, I wouldn't be shocked at this point. Oh, I mean, just shaky cam. Anything. Fucking like shot reverse shot is the pinnacle of what this film has to offer. That's, that's <laughs> the best they have. They've got a green screen, to be fair to them, when they're driving along. Because these yeah. people aren't clearly they aren't allowed on the road. Anyone who anyone who accepts a role in this shouldn't drive. They've got that. They don't use it much. I think just once um, during the driving scene. I think that's it, and that's that's fucked. Do you, I? I think they use it at the very very beginning, where the villain. We haven't even gotten onto the villain yet. That yet when the, the the murderer jumps out of the water because he's not wet when Hambone's on the dock because the shot you can't see the water in the shot there's either green screen that they used or they just cut to a studio <laughs> or like a room somewhere some poor guy just holding him on his uh, shoulders as he ducks under the deck I wouldn't be surprised. The editing as well, it's shit. The pacing is terrible. Some of these scenes go on for way too long. Way, way too long. Too much information, too much fucking padding. It's 70 minutes, and it's 90% padding. The pinnacle of it, right, for it, I think this... The write, the writing is the worst aspect. And for me, the worst part of that, the kind of... Um, the illustrator of that, is that half the dialogue in the film is just referencing. It's mostly just references all the way through. Shit on um, Evanescence they talk about, they talk about Glenn Danzig, which I talk about making me long for a fucking Glenn Danzig film. I wish I was watching that shit. <laughs> oh, Veronica. I wish yeah, I was watching I would, fucking Veronica. I, I would agree that watching Veronica would be more entertaining than this, but I think they're both on the same levels of self-loathing that I had at the end of them. 
for different reasons. And one of them is Veronica wasted a perfectly pair of fake tits by giving them eyeballs. And this movie wasted a perfectly pair of nice tits by being in this movie. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen Veronica Ty, um, don't. Watch watch the first <laughs> segment if you ever do. First segment's kind of funny with the weird spider. Every, everything else is awful. I think that's one of the eye tits as I'm well. sure. That is where the eye I'm tits sure. are from. I might have shown you at I some point. I am sure you'll one day yeah. make me want make me watch that film. I got Mike to watch. I think it'll he... probably be recommended next. <laughs> yeah, no, that that ain't fucking happening either. Talking about like fucking staging as well, composition. There's a plastic thing that's in front of Snake where they do a scene right where they're basically doing a like a corporate. Tell us one thing about yourself. Tell us your name. One thing about yourself. Just go through this insufferable experience with every other poor person that doesn't want to be anywhere near you. It felt like a fucking therapist asking a load of patients to start talking about themselves in front of everyone. Like the madman had taken over the asylum kind of thing. And uh, yeah, it, it just wasn't funny. I mean, Gwen does a vaudeville thing for an elongated amount of time that I don't want to think about. Brental floss is boring. Snakes are retard. Goth girl goes, goth girl goes really overly sexual about the most basic of shit. Uh, yeah, uh, every other line by her is saying she's orgasmed over a, a, a flower that started to wilt. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't even like go extreme enough to be funny. They don't take it to the nth degree where it could be amusing with a goth girl. And she like found everything part of the, actually no that that'd have been annoying. Scrap that. That'd be fucking tedious. No, that would have been. <laughs> that'd have been even worse than the vaudeville bitch. I mean, they they could have done a kind of South Park conformist, anti-conformist thing. That might have been funny. And we we get like other notes. I've took down a couple of the lines here and there. I'm gonna try to kind of push through some of this. Um, I poop from my dick tip. The mushroom fucking Irish heroin. That's something. There's references to Freddy Got Fingered, as well as, I said, Glenn Danzig. There's a reference to Pluto Nash, I think. One of the jokes. You can't see me doing inverted commas, but my fingers are basically breaking trying. Is that um, the vaudeville girl? Yes. Her mom's a producer, and they keep referencing some, like, porn background. She said the the movie they were going to make was going to be bigger than Pluto Nash, which... I mean, yeah, that, I think that's probably even an outdated reference by the time this movie was made. Um, because Pluto Nash was like, what, 2003, and then Eddie Murphy's career just died for 18 years, and now he's starting to finally get work again? I mean, Freddy Got Fingered's pretty timely for this, I think. That was, yeah, uh... Freddy Got Fingered was, was, I think, 2005-ish, so maybe a couple years old. But again, like this is this was released in 2008. We don't know when it was filmed and made. Like, it, this could have sat in Chris Seaver's basement until he finally was able to copy a like a pirate a copy of uh, After Effects just to edit the fucking thing. And I say edit as loosely as possible because I think this was just filmed on a DV tape that they just resumed filming where they were last at with no concept of staging or reframing or anything. So who who knows when it was actually made, but it was released in 2008. So Freddy Got Finger was still relatively re- recent and, and relevant. Um, 
saying it was bigger she was she was big in canada was really funny as somebody from canada because we're you know oh i you don't know my girlfriend she goes to a school in canada is like my favorite thing that americans say because they're just like no one lives in canada and i'm just like oh that's true i get it there's like four people here and i'm one of them so you're a big fan of uh vaudeville porn then up in Canada, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's among my my most frequently searched Pornhub categories. It's, it's, it's right out there. Vaudeville, with, <laughs> yeah. Va- vaudeville jackoff instruction POV is uh, number one for me. You know what? I would have actually give this film credit if it turns out she was delusional and uh, Bransel Flosh just saw her crying to herself in her normal voice, saying, "Why do I do this? I can't make normal friends." Just enough sadness to make it believable. Yeah. It's a touch. Is that sad people like this exist, right? I've been to conventions with mates. I've seen anime people. <laughs> I don't mean to insult the entire genre of people, but you, you, fu- <laughs> you guys fucking know who I'm talking about that frequent these kind of places. There are people out there who just make references, their entire personality, and are the saddest twats alive who are just this insufferable. I mean, I'll fucking strike me out at Comic-Con as well. You get these kinds of people. Just a moment of self-awareness and them sobbing to themselves, going, yeah, I I know what we're doing, I know what we're writing. This is shit, and we are awful people, objectively. It would have gone (laughs) so far to making me so much happier. With all this as well, I mean, just as an offshoot, Snake in one scene is just basically spazzing out in the background randomly for no reason. There's stuff like this as well that kind of makes me question if there was any direction whatsoever given to any of it, if um, Chris Severe said anything to anyone, or did a second take at any point, if he had the ability to know how to do it, if he was just filming every single scene in one go. I think he had to have filmed everything possible because there's nothing in this movie you can cut without going under that 70-minute mark that you need to, to qualify it as a, a, a feature-length motion picture, right? So I think this is one of those cases where, like, you can't you can't cut anything, so you have the weird uh, montage sequence at the beginning of the movie with Thunder Ambrosia doing her martial arts-esque thing and for some reason, there's a lens flare on a wooden sword. I guess that's the joke, and you know it is kind of a funny joke. Um, but I think I think Chris Seaver probably had to film everything and make make things a little bit too long because this script was probably. I'm gonna ballpark it. This script's 20 pages max. There's there's no way it's longer than 20 pages. Oh yeah, you could do this film in like 15, 15 minutes. Same characters, same plot. Yeah, you just skip through ev- right. everything in the first 40 minutes. Speaking of which, speaking of which... Is there anything else I we do need to get to back on. to the film. Yeah, is there anything... I mean, yeah, the only couple things I want to talk about, we talked about her shitting her swimsuit. That was fucking weird. Also, I, I know we mentioned it before, and I, wanna, I don't want to make this sound harsh in any way. I'm not a fucking incel. I'm not going to insult her appearance. There's an expectation a filmmaker makes. When you say she's the hottest thing alive, I am expecting some like 10 out of 10 person that you're bringing in. I am expecting like a Pamela Anderson 
just like layer your expectation on that. Just level it a touch. Because I uh Ashley, who shits her swimsuit, and I think that's the joke, a pretty girl, has bodily functions, hardy ha fucking ha, is brought up as just God's gift to mankind, and then she's she's alright. It's like a, a solid eight in an office, she's 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 a good looking woman. She's not fucking Scarlett Johansson. And everyone starts talking about in front of her how they want to wank over her tits pretty much for the next twenty minutes. It's a bit weird, is what I'm saying. Maybe think yeah, of like swap. You would have gotten the point for sure. She just looks like a normal person. Yeah, pretty much. Not in a bad way, obviously. Yeah, she looks like a normal person. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and then the only other thing before we touch on 40 fucking minutes in and someone finally dies, they have a green screen scene. I think, did you actually find this funny then, Ty? The driving in the car, you've got Leo and Thunder. And I, I, I only caught it on my like, second viewing. As they're driving around, there's no shops or anything on the green screen or like wilderness where they are. There's just three random planets that keep It's incredibly... Repeating. Badly edited thing in the background of just like Saturn, then Mars, then like Jupiter, just over and over again. And I must admit, I laughed because I like, I, I mean, we brought up earlier, there is a scene um, in a police squad. <laughs> Where he's literally driving along, and on the screen behind them, there's like bulls chasing him up, like a Spanish road, <laughs> and just shit like that. And I, I find it funny. I find that shit funny. And so after all that, it's very much on brand um, for us. Nothing's happened for about forty minutes. We get into the fucking film, finally, which I said after all that they talk about fucking. Earnest films, ghost stories, something finally fucking happens. And did anyone expect the killer to be silent and to be, you know, the stoic, badass type, the standard Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, terrifying silhouette in the background, stabby person? Did anyone else not see this coming, that Jimmy is the most annoying, flamboyant prick in the universe? I knew. Yeah, I didn't expect him, expect it to happen. Um, but I also, I knew it wasn't going to be a like a Michael Myers or Jason thing. I just thought the killer was just going to be meh. And maybe maybe not silent, but just like... I almost expected the killer to do like shitty CSI style one-liners instead of the overacting that we got. It is like like you said mate, I I was expecting something. I just had no idea what. I honestly thought they were just going to do something like no because that would have been a bit that would have been actually funny if they played it completely deadpan. But no, 
No, just vaguely offensive, overly camp. And it, it's not... I, I know they think it's fucking funny as well. That's the part that really annoys me. They think, oh, this killer isn't the standard cold badass. This is um, a jokey one. This is a funny fucking... Is it a subversion of expectation? That's always the excuse. They bring up with this shit. Subversion of fucking expectations. It's not the standard. I mean, it wouldn't be the standard if he got out in a fucking tutu and started doing Phantom of the Opera songs. It wouldn't be funny either. I think the perfect like summary of it, of this killer, is that I'm not surprised, but I'm still disappointed. Uh, and that's a perfect summary of this fucking film. Except for Gwen, I was genuinely surprised by her character. That someone thought <laughs> that you could do that for 70 minutes. That does surprise me. I still don't think that's real. <laughs> like, I, I think that she she has something on Chris Seaver to let her do that for 70 minutes. Versus he's blackmailing the cast. Because that can't be... No one thinks that's funny. No one thinks that's a good idea when you describe it to them. So that has to be a decision where Chris Seaver was just like, fuck it. Yeah, you know what? Shut up. Do it. We don't care. Or, like like Ty said like way earlier, like this has to be an early, or sorry, an inside joke that we're not part of that they just decided to film. Like they think that her doing this in real life is funny and they just wanted to make everyone else laugh at it too. Cause it just doesn't work in any other capacity. There's no, if this movie was made in 1950, maybe the, the vaudevillian callback would have been funny, but it it wasn't. <laughs> it was made in fucking the year 2000 when <laughs> that shit hasn't been relevant for 80 years. Like it's, it you know, it, they even call this movie, you know what? Hold on. Maybe this was intentional because at the opening credits, they called this movie a Chris Seaver talkie instead of a Chris Seaver film or a Chris Seaver picture or whatever. They deliberately call it a talkie. So now I'm wondering if this is all some kind of like Tommy Wiseau vanity project where he's just trying to do <laughs> like the the biggest troll of of a lifetime with this one character and that's the only tenuous grasp I have on it. <laughs> uh, I, I refuse to think that in like 10 years time that someone's going to come out and say this was a subversive masterpiece. I almost hope someone makes a case for that. Like some film student in like 2035 is going through the ruins of Amazon Disney's back catalog and finds this movie. I want to see a two-hour YouTube-like um, ContraPoints-esque video. A video essay <laughs> going through the... Yeah, a video essay. <laughs> This is a, a Lindsay Ellis style video <laughs> essay about why this is a masterpiece. Fuck it, I might make it myself. That that is the crux of it. Everything in this is just a baffling fucking decision, including flamboyant Jimmy, including the sex scene. Well, no, the sex scene isn't a baffling decision. I think this is just the only guy, the only way this guy could get laid. Frankly, at this point, because he's, I mean, he's this funny. 
So clearly he ain't getting girls the regular fucking way. So he has to create some ridiculous convoluted film to have sex. Because he, I mean, he's playing Leo, right? You said uh, Chris Seaver. Mm-hmm. And he does get to see tits from, to be fair, a pretty damn attractive, better than fucking office girl. But yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe this is just his way of getting laid. Is this just an extreme form of foreplay? <laughs> The extreme, really badly done just, is, foreplay. Is is this just his thing? I don't work. I mean, like the, this is his king. Fucking. All is he sex in jokes. all his other films? Yeah, he's in all his other films. And does he get laid in all of these films? If he does, you know, I I don't think anyone can answer that question because no one. I hope to God no one has watched all of Chris Seaver's catalogue, including Chris Seaver. I wouldn't wish that on fucking him. Maybe you can put that in your video essay. There's a lot of very, I mean, sexually explicit stuff, obviously, because he finds it funny, or maybe it is just his fetish. Like, corn up the arse that goes out the dick hole. I'm sure that's someone's, that's probably on Rule 34 somewhere, to be fair. Woman being berated by some guy with an afro. So I suppose him cooking himself. That's another fetish he has, apparently. And all this culminating, obviously, the blood fart towards the end. It's just fucking weird. Although the, the the whole finale of this doesn't quite work for one. It's paced really badly. Because you've got the sex scene, you've got the corn stuff, you've got deaths that take minutes with weird black and white imagery in the background uh, with the vaudeville. I I don't even want to say her name anymore, frankly. She's, she's dead to me. I don't have to think about that character ever again. The worst character in cinematic history. You've got a, a weird scene where the brothers... There's got to be a word for it, right? Where you shove something up your ass. There's got to be a term for that. Like every other fucking human in history's done it. Oh, it's just pegging. Pegging, pegging. Yeah. Uh, it every day, at least. Pegging. I mean, if there isn't a word for shoving a human up your own ass. Yeah. Uh, I suppose vor. Yeah, it'd be like anal vor. Yeah. I feel like we need a proper term for that because that's just, it's such a fun common occurrence. Anal vor, I think, is the closest we're going to get. And I kind of love that it's being discussed in a live action film because that's crazy. Like, that's, that's insane. Truly insane is saying, hey, you need to watch this movie because it's an example of live action anal vor. And that's a text you could send somebody <laughs> that they then read and then have to Google what vor is and then combine that with anal. And then they'd have to picture whatever whatever they would then think of is still not going to be as absolutely absurd as watching this girl fucking Mario Koopa stomp this her, the, the killer, her own brother, into her asshole, and then with her ass muscles, chew him up and spit out his bones and blood in a blood fart. You know, I've got to be honest, for a low-budget film, I think that one's actually done decently. Those those effects, they do a bit uh, of... What effect? They, I mean, they do a bit of camera work for him going up her ass, and you can tell he's not, but... There was some effort put in there. 
there was some angle work. They clearly storyboarded just that section. You know, this might actually just be the guy's fetish. In which case... He's in the anal war. Yeah. No yeah. one else has done it anal before. Anal war and extreme exhibitionism. <laughs> it makes it... I mean, that was, the sex scene earlier was the lamest fucking thing ever. It's it's pathetic. Like, this guy hasn't seen sex before because he just does war stuff. Which, I mean, I'm not going to judge you. Fair enough, just don't show it to the rest of us. Maybe that is his actual repertoire of films. It's not that he thinks it's funny referencing other stuff, but he does just know porn. Forward film porn and vor. That's all he's got to push on. It makes fucking sense. Yeah, I, Caspian gets shoved up, which is cathartic as fuck. We don't have to hear his voice ever again. Gwen's dead, which, again, wonderful. And they all come round as heroes having slain the fucking villain Caspian. I'm out. I've lost for words. I'm absolutely lost for fucking words. I know I, I do these episodes for hours at a time. I can speak until my larynx breaks. But for this, I'm an hour and 30 into it and I am just done. I don't know what I can say about this. I don't know how to conclude it. I don't know what to push on. I've got no idea. I think the important thing is that we were able to find enough things to talk about in a movie that's only 70 minutes to go for an hour and 30 minutes. <laughs> Which really goes to show you, if there's three people that have any kind of semblance of structure or how to tell a story, you can get 90 minutes worth of content, and nobody even had to show their tits. I thought we'll help. I will show my tits. It is a podcast. Yeah, form, I mean, so I'm not, I'm not, not... not going to do it. I'm not above it. Like, come on. It's not going to help you. I'll, I'll show them now. This is an audio format. It's not going to work very well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, could, we could just goal. assume that I've been hanging dong this entire time. <laughs> I dropped trow as soon as we started. I thought I heard that, yeah. <laughs> you can go on however you want. Um, has anyone else got anything to say about the film? Generally, any point they desperately want to push on? No, God, I no. Re- I recommend this film. <laughs> Fuck you. It is... It is... A an incredibly cringe and awful snapshot of the senses of humour of the uh, late two thousands. It is a time capsule and masterclass of just bad, and it is fascinating, oh, awful, you... but fascinating. Yeah, which is why this should be put in a time capsule uh, set for after I'm dead. After I'm dead, after my children are dead, after my children's children are dead. Just humanity's gone. I'm happy to ruin the next civilization with this shit. Not us. Um, I don't recommend it. Because I like my audience somewhat. And I like to be liked. Please like me. Yeah, don't watch it. It's fucking awful. What? Fucking watch the Linkara film. That's more fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's more entertaining than this shit. Uh, in Swizzy, you, you're going to take the bizarro fucking stance or are you going to do the right thing and not recommend this to anyone? Oh, I, I don't think anyone should have ever watched this. Uh, I don't think anyone should watch it. But if you really 
really want to see the only example of live action anal lore that I can think of in <laughs> in a movie that doesn't feature heavily pixelated genitals. Doesn't feature, I should add. Um because Japan's definitely got some live action anal war going on. Um, yeah, that, yeah. Do do yourself a disservice. Do all four, five, six of your senses, whatever you know, mental faculties you want to give up to suffer through this for seventy minutes, and watch it. If you are going to watch it, though, and I know some podcasts don't advocate, um, you know, consumption of heavy drugs or alcohol um before doing anything but i think I, I think if there's one thing i can recommend is be as inebriated as you can tolerate and then watch this cuz you might find some semblance of joy in it uh cuz it truly feels like a beer pong game that will never end at some points so yeah give it a shot but honestly no i can't recommend this without that caveat of being borderline alcohol poisoned Oh yeah, no, no, I mean, we're happy to do that. You get fucking shit-faced, destroy your own liver. Get shit-faced, take whatever pills you can find in whatever cabinets you have in your house, and maybe you'll tolerate it. And you'll forget it as just the worst fucking trip you ever had in your life. Oh, I, I wish I was fucking high going through this. Um. <laughs> so, in terms of, if you like this, what would we recommend? Uh, I, I fucking try. Uh, two recommendations, I would say. Uh, the first one is another example of uh Western live action anal war, uh, and that is the film called Evolution. Uh, have you seen that? No, no. You... Oh wait, with David Duchovny. I think so. I think, yeah, I recall. Um, it's, uh, yeah, and Sean William where, Scott, Orlando Brown. Yeah, it's where it ends with uh, a man being inserted into a, 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 an organism's anus. Uh, so, yeah, that's another example. Don't need to elaborate. I was going to say, um, you really don't need to elaborate. <laughs> and the second example is to hit yourself repeatedly over the head with a blunt instrument. Yeah, I'll go for that. Oh, and taint light. Taint light. Oh, fuck. That. That's going to be the one people are going to ask us to do next, you know. A hundred It's a comedy, it's not horror. <laughs> this one is at least horror. That one's parody. We've got an excuse not to do it. Um, and in terms of stuff... In terms of stuff you're actually going to enjoy, right? Because this is clearly just for the so bad it's good crowd, but it doesn't work on a so bad it's good level. It, it just fucking doesn't. In the same way that Birdemic does, in the same way that The Room does. Because it's... It's trying to be funny, and that's the problem. A film that tries to be funny and isn't is the most insufferable thing in history. A bad fucking stand-up comedian is the worst thing you're ever going to watch in your life. I'm going to put myself in that category. When I'm bombed, it's been a miserable experience for everyone fucking involved. 
but there's so bad the good stuff that actually fucking works, and I'll recommend if no one's seen that kind of stuff. Um, Neil Breen's catalogue, if you want to laugh, that actually does work as something fucking funny from someone who doesn't know what they're doing either, but in the best way possible. Someone who's 100% up his own ass as well, but it's just beautiful in complete disregardable reality. The Room, Birdemic, Classics, obviously. And, um, fuck it, I'll, I'll say another YouTuber film, because I might as well push a bit of uh, love on someone I watched as a kid on Cracked. Um, Kill Me Now, uh, another horror film done by Mike Swain of Cracked. Years ago now, I think like 2013, it's on YouTube in full. Uh, it's, it's kind of worth watching. Not the best thing ever, but it's not too bad. Uh, Swizzy, you, you got anything? Oh, uh, yes. I... If you like this film, and I, you won't, but if you do, again, you won't, um, I highly recommend the Tubi classic, Don't Fuck in the Woods. Um, it's a little bit, actually, it's significantly more uh, competently made. Um, it, it is a significantly better movie. But it's I don't I wouldn't quantify it as a good movie. I would just say this this does what it sets out to do better than Terror at Blood Fart Lake, and it's a lot higher of a production value for still being made for less than five hundred dollars American. Um, it, it's actually fun to watch. So if you want to enjoy all of the trappings of a movie that was written by people who think poop and fart and cum jokes are the only kinds of jokes to make. Not that they're not funny. They're very funny when they're well done. Um, but you want to experience that? Check out Don't Fuck in the Woods um, or Bloody Bloody Bible Camp. Both of those, I think, if you manage to find some perverse interest in this, you'll you'll love both of those. I yeah I I might be watching them. Don't fucking ask. Don't don't even try it. You can fucking pay me to go over those. Uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty much like the end of our um auteur list. Our uh director minded magnum opus list. We've gone through Von Trier. Gone through Jackson. Gone through Fred Vogel. Mad God with Tippett. And now we finish. <laughs> Which, I mean, in a sense, it is the best, according at least to popculture.com, that <laughs> Chris Seaver has. So, in a way, uh, this is a real, uh, yeah, proper magnum opus. And, a true um, passion project. A passion project. It genuinely actually could be a passion project. In anal vor granted, but still. It's me signing off. Have a good one, and don't watch this film. Look forward to my uh, three-hour <laughs> deep dive into why it's a masterpiece. <laughs>